0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today, on A Transforming Word.
1: We're called to be on mission for Christ. Uh, There's a way in which we're all called to serve God. And one of the things that will hinder your service to God is not being right with Him. There are some people that are content to serve without being right. And God says, no, there's got to be holiness among the servants of the Lord. You gotta be right with me to serve me fruitfully and effectively. And so God cares that we be right with him in our service. Um, Second, God cares that we be right with others before we get moving in our service to him as well.
0: Did you realize that if you are committed to your husband or wife, you're staying faithful to God too? It's not like they're separate and unrelated, they're tied together. Well, today, Pastor Bill talks about the importance of the importance of being faithful in your relationship with God and your relationships with others. When that isn't the case, the foundation of your society start to crumble and you see it happening all around you. But you don't have to be like everyone around you. You can be different. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers chapter 5 for today's edition of A Transforming Word.
1: One of the things that would happen, because if a man's having children with a, a wife, and these children are going to be heirs to his throne or have things, if, if, it was, if she had a child by someone else who was unfaithful, like Gomer in the book of, of, of Hosea, um, then the child that's going to be, you know, all of his legacy is going to be left to is not his. Um, that was one reason why this was such a big deal, because everything flowed through that way. And either way, the way that God set this thing up at the end of the scenario it's going to be clear that either this man is jealous for nothing, insecure, and he's going to be moated, or this woman is guilty and she's going to bear in her body uh, the penalty of her guilt. So um, verse 14 was interesting to me, the spirit of jealousy. Um, what is that? What does that mean? What does that look like? Um, when, when I think of... The spirit of jealousy, this is something that's overtaken him. This man is not sleeping at night. This man is overtaken. He just, I know this is happening. And anybody here that's ever been in a relationship or been with someone jealous, um, it's just this ongoing thing. And if it's not true, it would be great to be vindicated. That, look, you know what, I, like, I guess today you can take a lie to you could We can do something to figure it out, you know. Back here, if, if you're just being, you know, accused or suspected every day all the time, God said, look, we're going to settle this. Um, there's going to be unity in your home once again. There's going to be clarity. When, when you guys leave the priest today, we're going to know that you did it or you didn't do it. Um, and you guys will be able to go home in peace and that issue will be settled. And what was the heart behind all this, right? God says before we move out to go out to do a work, you got to be right with me. You got to be right with each other. And as he, as, it, it goes from him to one another and it comes all the way into the home and to the family. God, we got to be right before we step out. And I, I see this in even the work of ministry. Right. We got to be tight. If, if, if the group that you're serving God with, you guys got to be right or the service is going to be effective. Right. If we're not on one accord, if we're not all of one heart, how are we going? There's already blemishes. There's already kinks in the armor. There's already a little gap for the enemy to slip into. Um, at least the group serving together needs to be linked up. And so God says, I, I want to take us to do a great work, but we got to be right. And so now he's dealing with the things that would cause them to not be right. And so this thing here, the spirit of jealousy, a husband suspecting that his wife had cheated. Now, here again is something very interesting, um, and I'm going to just explain it and we're going to read it. Um, Something that they practiced back here was something called trial by ordeal. Um, A trial by ordeal was, um, they practiced in the ancient Near East. The ordeal described a judicial situation um, where the the accused were placed in the hand of God. So basically we bring something up, we bring it to the Lord and now we're like now God, God's got to do something supernatural. There's going to be a supernatural manifestation to say right or wrong. You did it or you didn't do it. We brought it to we brought it to the highest court possible. We brought it to the Lord by bringing it to the priest and it's 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 trial by ordeal. God's going to have to do something. All right? Look at verse um look at We'll start at verse 16. Um, We'll read down and I'll I'll do my best to explain this to us as we go through it. Look at verse uh, 16 through 24. It says, and the priest shall bring her near and set her before the Lord. The priest shall take holy water in an earthen vessel and take some of the dust that is on the floor of the tabernacle and put it into the water. Then the priest shall stand the woman before the Lord, uncover the woman's head, and by uncovering her head... Uh, it was putting her hair up. In that culture, only time, only people that would have seen a woman with her hair up or uncovered would have been family or a husband. It wasn't, as they were out and about, it was an uncommon thing. If a woman's hair was like that, you know that there was something wrong. Something was, either she was accused of something, guilty of something, so her hair is up in this way. Um, verse 18 again, then the priest shall stand the woman before the Lord, uncover the woman's head, put the offering for the remember, for remembering in her hands, which is the grain offering of jealousy, and the priest shall have in his hand the bitter water that brings a curse. And the priest shall put her under an oath and say to the woman, if no man has lain with you, and if you have not gone astray to uncleanness while under your husband's authority, be free from this bitter water that brings a curse. But if you have gone astray while under your husband's authority, and if you have defiled yourself and some other man than your husband has lain with you, Then the priest shall put the woman under the oath of the curse and he shall say to the woman, the Lord make you a curse and an oath among your people when the Lord makes your thigh rot and your belly swell. I'll come back and talk about that. And may this water that causes the curse go into your stomach, make your belly swell and your thigh rot. Then the woman shall say, amen, so be it. Then the priest shall write these curses in a book and he shall scrape them off into the bitter water, and he shall make the woman drink the bitter water that brings a curse, and the water that brings the curse shall enter her to become bitter." So this is what's happening here. Um, this woman that's been accused of cheating on her husband, she's brought to the priest. Um, the priest has dust from the tabernacle floor, for the, from the floor of the tabernacle, um, water that's been blessed, it's called holy water, He writes out this curse and then scrapes the letters off of the curse into the water to become bitter water. And then he makes her stand there. Her hair is uncovered and she takes the oath. He says, ask her straight up. If you have you laying with another person, if you have, um, then this is going to curse you and your belly is going to swell and your thigh is going to rot. Again, I'll come back and explain what that's all talking about. I don't think no woman wants their belly to swell, but we'll talk about what that's talking about. So um, and if not then she's going to be vindicated. These things are not going to take place. Um, And again, I read this, I read this and just thought like, man, why? Why all this? You know, what's the, what's the point? What's the, what's, first of all, what's the heart behind all of this? And again, once again, God wants things to be settled, right? At the end of this day, let's say that this guy has been jealous for two, three, five years. You, where you been? Where'd you go? You, you just go to the well. You, you were talking to that man with the camels, you know, just, I mean, it, it could have been just an ongoing thing, just nagging her to death. And if she's innocent, you know, I mean, if I was her, I, just, just, can we go to the priest? Can we just go get this settled once and for all? And you could look like the fool in front of everybody in the community again, because it's done in front of everybody. And so if it's the man's fault, he's going to look like quite the insecure fool. Because the whole community is there, the priest is there, everybody's there and it'll be proven in that day that, man, what's wrong with you? Why do you keep dragging your wife down here? And next time you're at home having some thoughts, you need to deal with yourself. That's one part of what could be happening. But if indeed over here the brother caught a spirit of jealousy because there is something going on and he just can't prove it, he doesn't know, then he about to know on this day. And I can imagine that for the woman, like if she did it and she's standing there and she has to say amen to this. So be it. Um, my, my thinking says that she, that she would probably at that point would say, OK, 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 I did it. You know, um, did everybody know what the penalty was for cheating on your husband back then? It was death. So it was going to be bad, you know, um, and maybe that why, that's why something like that would be concealed. But God said, look, I don't want that in the camp of Israel either. I don't want unfaithfulness. I don't want there to be jealousy, undue jealousy. I don't want people jealous without cause. I want there to be unity in the community of God. This is wrecking the unity, this jealous thing. And so we're going to deal with it. It's going to be settled once and for all. So I spent quite a bit of time. I read... A whole bunch of people, and I was really trying to come to a conclusion and an understanding of what it meant for her belly to swell and her thigh to rock. When you first read it, I think maybe the penalty—I mean, wouldn't that be a cold penalty for a woman? Your belly's just going to swell. You're going to be—you're going be, to look pregnant, but you're not going to be pregnant. Now, the ultimate thing is, you, as we read on, is that she's going to be uh, there's going to be infertility. She's not going to be able to. She's going to be barren. From that point on, if she's guilty, there'll be no more children flowing out of her. That's the, that's the end result of it all. But um, this is what I came up with. And I, I did, I dug, you guys. I was like, Lord, what is, I don't want to tell people wrong stuff. I, I don't want to say, I don't want to sit up here and tell y'all she's gonna get fat and her thighs gonna rot out if that's not exactly what's going to happen. So this is what I came up with. Um, first of all, the just looking up the words, um, thigh, if you look it up in the Hebrew, it's a uh, beten or B E T N beten. It's, it means womb or internal parts. So, uh, when it says her thigh is going to rot, it's speaking of her reproductive organs. They're not going to be, they're going it's going to die. It's not going to be useful anymore. Uh, which, which goes along with, with, with the rest of the verse says that they will be, still be sterile. Um, when it says the word rot, Uh, It's the Hebrew word nafal. It means to die or to perish. And essentially it's saying that your reproductive system is going to perish. Um, You're not going to be able to have any kids. Now, it sounds, in our words, a lot worse. I I read that and I just say, man, your belly's going to swell, your thigh's going to rot. But basically what it means is your your body's going to, your internal reproductive whatever is going to just die on the inside of you. Now, another book that I read Now, these are just suggestions, they're not actual, uh, but I will give them to you anyway. These were some of what they suggested the swollen belly uh, would result from. Um, A flooded uterus, a false pregnancy, a pelvic prolapse, uh, atrophied genitalia. Um, All these things would result also in someone being sterile. So, the bottom line is... You didn't want to be guilty of this. Right? You, didn't want to be, you didn't want to be cheating on your spouse and you didn't want to be brought forth. What's the application for you and I here in this? Again, we've already talked about being faithful to God. We've talked about being right with our brothers and sisters. And for everybody here that's blessed to be in a marriage relationship, we live in a culture today that has so little value on marriage. They place it so small that Christians even begin to take on the attitude of the world about marriage. And Christians are, it's, we're not, I mean, it's, it's the, the failure in marriage rate within the church. Those that claim to be Christians is so close to those that don't even claim to know God. That it's embarrassing. Now I know that a lot of those that are saying that are not really Christians, but it's still embarrassing that it's so common. So, One of the things that we can take from this is this, that part of our walk with the Lord, our relationship with the Lord, if you're blessed to be married, your walk with God is part of, your your marriage is part of your walk with the Lord. Um, Before you get married, that's when you got all of the options and choices. Rather, you decide, I don't really like that. Well, I think I do want that. I don't really want, I won't deal with, I don't want to put up with that. You have all the freedom in the world when you're single to say, you know what, I'm not going, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm passing. I pass on you. Goodbye. When you're single, you get, nope, I'm not putting up, nope, nah, nah, I'm coming. You can go out on two dinner dates and say, mm, nah, not, not, not my kind, not my speed. You can change your mind like that. But once you say, I do, once you walk down an aisle and you stand before God and people and you, 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 you enter into a covenant agreement with God and man, you can't just decide that I'm not happy no more. This is what people say today. Um, God wants me to be happy. And I'm not happy with this person. So I think God wants it to be over because I'm not happy. That's not biblical. That's not Bible. Find me that verse. God wants me to be happy. That's first self, chapter one, verse two, right? It's not in your Bible. It's not there. Um, doesn't exist. God, God's not encouraging us to that. You know, what's gonna, you know, you know how a marriage is going to work? You're going to have two people that get good at dying to themselves. Because in a marriage, you're going to die to yourself a lot. You're gonna to die to yourself to please them. And they're gonna to have to die to themselves sometimes to please you. And that's how a marriage can be good and work and last. Two people that commit. I'm gonna keep my commitment to my vow to God, and sometimes I'm gonna to die to myself to love this other person. That's how it works. So in this situation here, we got someone that potentially been unfaithful in their marriage, didn't honor God, didn't honor their spouse. Um, or we have someone who's untrusting of their spouse, which is unfair but is not founded. In either case, a guy that's insecure and jealous without cause, or there's a spouse that's been unfaithful and tormenting their spouse through that, in either case, God wants it to be dealt with and cleared up, that people can move forward in a right way. And so, this is the application for us married people. Don't cheat on your spouse. Don't be jealous for nothing. If you're insecure, you need to figure out what's wrong with you, you need to deal with yourself. I do know some people that are just insecure for nothing. No one's ever cheated on them. There's no just cause for the suspicions and whatnot. And um, if that's you, you really need to take that before the Lord and say, God, what's wrong with me? Why do I behave in that way? That doesn't honor you and it torments my spouse unduly, unfair. What an uncomfortable marriage to be in with someone that's always accusing you of doing something you didn't do. That's terrible. And so for them here, God said, I want to settle that once and for all so that it's not there. And this is what I tell people when I sit down with a couple and someone's been jealous. And I say, okay, have you ever accused them of something and then found out you were wrong? Yeah. How many times? Let me hear about one instance. Let me hear about another instance. Let me hear about another. So I said, at that point, we know you don't have discernment. And you've been wrong enough times to now it's not valid. You need to shut up. You need to not say anything. When you have a thought like that, you need to take those thoughts captive and bring them obedient to Jesus. Something's wrong with you. It's, un- it's-, it's-, it's been proven multiple times that it's not right. You need to deal with that. Flip the coin over. I've also been in a counseling office where someone is convinced. I know it, I know it. I just, I just don't know what it is. They're just convinced that something's going on and then something was going on. And they were tormented by just, just having a sense that this person is giving themselves to someone else and something's not right. And they were tormented by it. And then finally to find out, see, I knew it. And there's proof. In either case, these are people that are not honoring God and not honoring their marriage. So my encouragement to us, body of believers for you married people that we would obviously honor God by honoring our spouses that we'd be faithful in our marriages that we wouldn't seek any fulfillment in a relational way outside of the covenant of the person God gave you if you're in a rough marriage if you're in a marriage that's in a tough place that you would fight for your marriage that you battle that you get good at dying to yourself do your part um and last thing I'll say on marriage is this um, because it's just a lot of world's ideas. People think that marriage is like a 50 50. Well, I'm trying to do my part, but they're not doing their part. Can I tell you that that's not true either? When you get married, right? When I vowed to God I got married, God said, Bill, you're now a Christian man and a husband. This is your role. Love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself for Wash her and nurture with the water of the word. Care for your wife, love her. You know, give honor to her as a weaker vessel, with grace together, the, of the grace of, heirs air together the grace of God to your prayer. That's my job description from God. Do those things. And they're irrelevant. They don't matter. It doesn't matter if my wife is doing her part or not. For you wise, when you get, you're married, when you're already married, God tells you, submit to your husband and respect him. He's not respectable. Submit to him and respect him. He makes bad decisions. Submit to your husband and respect Your role is independent of him. God says, this is what I want you to do as a Christian wife. You're a Christian wife. You do it as unto me. And this is what happens, right? Is you submit to God, God can then deal with your spouse as you're being obedient. It's not 50-50. It's your obedience individually before God in your marriage. And some people think, well, I was trying really hard, but they didn't do their part, and so they made me not do my part, and now our marriage is all messed up. Now, you're both not obeying God. So you got two people in a marriage that's not doing it God's way, so you really got a messed up marriage. So my encouragement to us is that For the part that you play, you're the wife, you're the husband, do your part. If you're single and you're listening to all this, taking it all in, then you want to wait on the Lord. Don't be rushing off and marry the first person that run by and look like they was worth something. You want to make sure before you enter into something that big of a deal that you enter into it the right way. Um, Again, if you're single, you got all the options right now. You wait on the Lord. You You just grow on your walk with the Lord and let the Lord bring you what he has when it's his timing for you. Amen. So that's 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 the issue on that. And um, here's the last little chunk here. Verse twenty five. Yeah. Then the priest shall take the grain offering of jealousy from the woman's hand, shall wave the offering before the Lord and bring it to the altar. And the priest shall take a handful of the offering and its memorial portion, burn it on the altar and afterward make the woman drink the water. When he has made her drink the water, then it shall be, if she has defiled herself and behaved unfaithfully toward her husband, that the water that brings a curse will enter her and become bitter, and her belly will swell, her thigh will rot, and the woman will become a curse among her people, and in that she's going to become infertile, she's not going to be able to bear children. Verse 28, but if the woman has not defiled herself and is clean, then she shall be free and she may conceive children." This is the law of jealousy when a wife, um, when a wife while under her husband's authority goes astray and defiles herself or when the spirit of jealousy comes upon a man and he becomes jealous of his wife, then he shall stand the woman before the Lord and the priest shall execute all this law upon her. Then the man shall be free from iniquity, but that woman shall bear her guilt. And so as we wrap up this section, a couple things that I want to just remind us of. Um, everybody here has got some mission from the Lord, something we're called to do. There's things that we're, we're called to be on mission for Christ. Uh, there's a way in which we're all called to serve God. And one of the things that will hinder your service to God is not being right with him. There are some people that are content to serve without being right. And God says, no, there's got to be holiness among the servants of the Lord. You got to be right with me to serve me fruitfully and effectively. And so God cares that we be right with him in our service. Um, Second, God cares that we be right with others before we get moving in our service to him as well. God said in one portion of the New Testament, he said, hey, when you come to the altar to bring a gift to me, and you realize when you get there to the the altar that you got one of your brothers has aught with you, you got some kind of beef going on with you, he said, leave your gift at the altar. Go get right with your brother, then come back and offer the gift. What's God saying here? He I'd rather you get right with your brother than to bring me a gift. That's, big, that's a bigger deal to me than whatever gift you're coming to offer. God cares that we be right with one another. And third and final, God cares about our marriage relationships, our family relationships. As I'm praying for the city of Inglewood, you guys, and looking to see God, I, my prayer is so big for God to do such great things in this city. And as I look at the city, I realize every city is made up of people and communities and communities are made up of families. And one thing that I see in broken communities is that the families are broken, that there's no husbands and there's no wives and there's moms with kids because they didn't get married before they had sex. And there's dads with kids all over the place that they could never possibly father properly because it wasn't done right. And so and you look at the aftermath of all of that and realize that people would do it God's way. If guys and girls would wait on the Lord and find a wife and a husband and then enter into a long-term, lifetime commitment of marriage and then bring offspring off from there, just, just how much better that works than the way it's happening around us. And so that's something I pray for, that people would get saved and then get right. Can't go back and undo what you did wrong, but you can get saved and get right and do it right from here. I'm at least praying that people that are in the church, that we would get it right. That we would love our husbands, wives, that we would love our wives, husbands and that we be faithful to the people that God has brought us into union with. Amen? And in doing so, notice this, in your faithfulness in your marriage, in your faithfulness to be right with your brothers and sisters, it's also, your, it's, it's also demonstrated, demonstrative, or it's a demonstration of your faithfulness to God. Your unfaithfulness in your marriage, your unfaithfulness in your dealings towards your brothers and sisters in Christ, is also, and uh, it shows, and your unfaithfulness in your relationship with the Lord. And so all these things take us right back to our relationship with the Lord. We want to be faithful. In this story here, if the woman was found guilty, she was, there was a curse. She was put under this curse and her thigh was, her belly was gonna swell, her thigh was gonna rot and she was gonna drink this water and a curse was gonna come upon her and all these things. Well, you and I are pretty blessed because we're all guilty of sin and crimes and breaking God's laws and everything else. And we're also, we were under a curse, but who took the curse for us? Jesus took our curse. He came to earth, he took my curse. He took my sin and my guilt and my shame upon himself that you and I could go free.
0: Thanks for joining Pastor Bill on A Transforming Word as he teaches through the Book of Numbers. As you listen to today's message, we pray that it has not only inspired you in your faith journey, but challenged you in your relationships. The Book of Numbers recounts the various struggles the people of Israel faced with those outside of their camp, but also within. Surely, There are difficulties you might be facing inside your family, your church, your work setting, and the nation as a whole. But God is still here, and He's proven time and time again that He's not leaving you or abandoning you. So when you're tempted to get down and out, chin up and remember that He is faithful. The messages you've been listening to are in Ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. If you're ever in or near the Inglewood area, you're more than welcome to join us for church. We meet at Calvary Chapel Inglewood every Sunday and Wednesday, and you can get more information on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. You can also call or text us for more information. Our number is 310 245 4811. Again, that's 310 245 4811. If you're looking for more resources or ways to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just look for the links on our website. Again, that's CalvaryInglewood.org. Well, That's all we have time for today, but Pastor Bill will have more to share from the book of Numbers next time on A Transforming Word.